0: Welcome to the Local Legends in Running podcast, where you hear the stories from local legends of Australian running that you simply always wanted to hear. Today in episode 10, I interview former Olympian Krishna Stanton. Krishna represented Australia in the 1992 Olympic Games in Barcelona in the 3,000 metres. She is also a two-time Commonwealth Games representative in the 1994 Games in the 10,000 metres and the 2002 Games in the Marathon. Ironically, Krishna delves into why she reflects on the Commonwealth Games and even the Sydney Cedar Surf win in 1992 as arguably more meaningful experiences than her very proud achievement of the Olympic Games. Krishna is open about the challenges she experienced during her time as an athlete that makes her the person she is today. She also elaborates on the most rewarding aspect of the sport being the social side, its impact on mental health and simply the opportunity to continue to make the most of what you have as you get older too. So enjoy hearing about the challenging yet rewarding life behind Krishna as she talks honestly and genuinely about her experiences in the sport. Hi Krishna, how are you going?
1: Not too bad. Can you hear me okay or am I too loud?
0: No, it's perfect. It's perfect. Oh,
1: so you you motivated me to go and get some new that's why I want to do it. I'd connected it to the computer. And so yeah, I've been struggling with finding ones that don't fall out. So yeah. Got some AirPods. Oh, so
0: they're in now. Yeah, it's a bit difficult to see. Um, so oh, they are. Yeah. Are they the actual yeah. AirPods or something different?
1: Um, they're LG Tone. Yeah, AirPods. They're probably better um, than the Apple. They're around. on sale. They're <laughs> on sale at um JB hi-fi I'm very unprofessional with um IT stuff.
0: that's ah, perfect. Sounds great. Um, how have you been?
1: Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. I'm I'm actually on duty. Um for my job this weekend. So I have to stay at home or, or close by um, work. So it was perfect for me to just be around. And wait oh, great. And you're, you're, ready. you're
0: working at um, UQ, I've seen. Yes,
1: yeah, so I'm the Dean of Students at a residential college here um, called Cromwell College. So basically an auntie to 250, 17, 18, 19 and 20 year olds.
0: Wow. And do you stay on site then? Or have you, do you have a yeah, place? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you've so, you've well, answered
0: one of my questions in advance then. That's great.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we, um, uh, have a house at Gordon park that we've rented out and this is my fourth year um, here at Cromwell. So I've had to, um, yeah, part of the job is living on site and being on duty at night and some weekends.
0: Yeah. Right. No, we'll, um, get a bit further into that, um, shortly. Hey, um, you might remember a number of years ago we did the Kedron Park Run together uh, and we were super close in terms of finishing. But I remember after it, it was a day that I'd taken my dad out there. He lives in West End, but he's, he'd ventured to the north side to run the Kedron Park Run, um, which was kind of him coming my way. But he, after it finished, he, he said, hey, Ollie, um, you've realised you've beaten an Olympian or ex-Olympian. <laughs> <I> said, <"What's laughs> about that? trying to think of who was around me in the race and he goes Christian Stanton I'm thinking I that name sounds awfully familiar but um I think I was quite young when she was uh competing at Olympics.
1: yeah I know sometimes I I just go, where's time gone? But I do remember the day because when, um, but I'm just, I uh, have to say, I've done a bit of research and at 16.59, there's no way I'd be close to you these days. <laughs> I, just, I just saw your run this morning. Well done. Yeah, yeah, it was
0: 55 actually. 59 was the previous PB, but that, have you heard of that Bert Sandgate yeah, annual park run well, before? That's
1: what they, yeah, that's, I did it. Um, that's my best time there, I think, um, just under 18 minutes. Um, maybe not last year, the year, or before COVID hit. Um, my, my best time as an old... And I was
0: going to say, let's yeah. remind listeners that you, yeah, your best time you refer to is like, you know, parkrun started what 10 years ago in Brisbane, 10-15. So, but yeah, as, as a retired um, ex Olympian, uh, yeah, Sandgate's a quick course, but this this event this must've been the biggest, but they had almost 200 runners underneath uh, 20 minutes for the 5k. And I was 69th with a 1655. So like, I was just so impressed about how much quality we have of runners in Brisbane, particularly I knew number of runners not there. And then there's always people out there that are easily either naturally um, fit or just don't go out and do park runs and compete that much. So no, it's, um, it it's, is,
1: it's, it's, exci- it's exciting, I think. I think um, there's been a lot learnt about um, uh, just how, how to, I guess, nurture young runners these days because um, we used to see them really young and then never hear of them in their 20s. But I think distance running in Australia in general is going really well.
0: Yeah, it definitely is um, recreationally. We'll talk, we'll talk later about at the you know, professional level and how that compares to your time back in the day, but um, yeah, I just, I had that parkrun memory from that may, maybe have been four years ago, I think. I think it was just when I was starting to get a bit more serious, like, you know, getting consistent, more serious training uh, on my behalf. Uh, and yep. the other connection too was Matt Langmack, the uh, Brisbane State High. Uh, yes. cross country coach.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm um, lucky to call him one of my running buddies. Um, I was connected Actually, there's a lot of connections because I run my when I started to get back into running about 2016. Pat Carroll connected me with a group um, and they called themselves the the Lucky Ducks. Um, And they they met at a cafe called the Lucky Duck Cafe at um, just State High.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Anyway, Peter Hallahan is friends with your dad. And yeah. Peter was the one that got me to um, sort of run with Matt and another guy, Jed Timms and Dan Galligan. But it took a while for it to actually happen because they, they had to have a discussion, they said, to see if I was, um, like, if they'd give me permission to <laughs> run with them. <laughs> so because I hadn't really been running for a lot of years. I had a lot long time off and that's another story. But um, so they did a bit of a bit of research in Google and they said that I was allowed to, I trialed for a bit and then I was given, you know, yeah, permission to come on a regular basis. So <laughs> but Peter was just saying um, I meet still catch up with them on after a Wednesday run or on a Friday at South Bank and Peter was yeah, talking about your dad.
0: It's like a small world too because, yeah, Pat Carroll and dad are um, old mates. And I think, I think mm-hmm. that just stemmed from the fact that he trained with Pat uh, with PCRG yeah. many years ago. And yeah. I think dad might have dragged me along to a session back in the day when I was probably uh, more into the party scene than the running scene. But um, <laughs> all those things help in your, in your journey towards doing something different in later life like running. And um, yeah, and Pat's still going strong with PCRG, which is great. It just seems to be getting from um, strength to strength. Yeah,
1: no, it's going really well.
0: Um, now, I wanted to start with a bit of a background on you personally. We've covered where you're living, obviously, there on site with uni. What about, uh, how does that work in with family? Um, have you got kids uh, and, and partner and that yeah. kind of thing?
1: Yes, um, I've got. Uh, a son who's now 26 uh zach and i've got two stepchildren um dom and marnie and they're 26 and 24 so they're um all you know living independently now so when this um uh i was a teacher for eight years before coming to colleges at Churchy, actually. oh yeah yeah i forgot that one for that was,
0: yeah that was meant to um be covered earlier yeah that's that's another small connection there
1: yes so um yeah, so when, you know, I was looking for something new and came to the colleges, it was, it was good timing. So um, my husband now is, um, you know, an engineer and, you know, it, this job sort of fits in for both of us. We rented our house out, as I said, and, yeah, and I'm, um, yeah, the, the job here is very different to teaching and mm-hmm. I often say not necessarily as hard, but there's long hours, as you can understand with young people.
0: Yeah, and I gather long hours outside of the hours that you're actually in front of uh, the young adults.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, they uh, have lots of event- social events and outings out Thursday, Sunday nights and hold functions here at college. And yeah, my role is predominantly pastoral care. So I guess they're all from rural, um, remote areas in New South Wales, Queensland. We've got students from Tasmania and Victoria now, and so, yeah, it's all sort of a new step for them from school to university. And so they live with us while they go to QUT, Griffith, um, UQ, ACU.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Now, I have heard of many staff transitioning from teaching into the uni world. Um, so you've definitely enjoyed that transition.
1: Yes, I have. I think it was a good change for me. I did love um, working at Churchy, obviously, and, you know, it took a while to adjust. And I think, um, but I, yeah, I'm really committed to my position here as the Dean of Students and, yeah, really um, enjoy this age group. And I think I already um, had that sort of connection even at Churchy with coaching, a little bit of coaching with the athletics and cross country. Um, so I try and motivate the students to come along to Park Run and we've got a team for the Bridge to Brisbane uh, in August. So oh, I awesome. do try and, you know, a- encourage them to walk, run or jog every now and again.
0: Great. And I'm sure your experience at Churchy would would um, get you prepared for anything. Uh, we, we work hard and it's a premier school in Brisbane. So yeah, I'm sure it's helped you in, in many capacities in your current role. What about outside of work or running? Do you have any other hobbies that are different to those two things, specifically?
1: Uh, no, not, not necessarily. I'm, um, I'm uh, like I like to catch up with um, friends. I think I um, really value friendship. So uh, one of my favorite things is to do on a Sunday afternoon is to go to the movies. Um, so I like doing that sort of thing and I'm usually the instigator to get a group together to do that sort of thing. Um, my job is sometimes feels like 24-7 mm. um, so it does take up a lot of time but yeah I'm, I, I probably joke too much about it but I, I don't have many other talents. <laughs> I can't, um, <laughs> I can't like you know I don't play a musical instrument or I'm not good at art or I'm, I'm sort of happy to have a go at everything um, but yeah master of very few.
0: Yeah no it's good to have that balance with um, and the social aspect too. I sometimes find that work itself is so social that I've become anti-social on the weekends but I do try my best um, yeah. to get out there no, and it- catch up with friends and yeah I've got a son now so it keeps me occupied definitely and particularly now uh, at the age where we've got a few friends who are having kids and meeting yeah. younger adults with kids. So definitely a changing time in, in my life. But, you've got, yeah, you've got to have that side, whether it's in the, in the sport with training and competing or outside of running.
1: Yeah, actually, I found it a real adjustment when – you know, particularly a young man, at, you know, in his 20s, doesn't necessarily want to hang out with his mum, you know. So, you know, finding things that, uh, you know, it took a while and I felt a bit redundant, you know, for a while. But, um, yeah, we have a good relationship, so it, it's fine. He lives in Brisbane, so I get to see him every now and again.
0: Yeah, and no, it's a life's a dynamic thing. So, yeah, those relationships, parent to uh, child, to, you know, always, always changing as time goes on. Um, so I'll get to the, just sort of document your your history in the sport. And it's been quite significant. And, you know, when you throw the word Olympics in there, that's that's at the highest level of any sport that's available to compete in, in the Olympics. And, and uh, you're the first Olympian on this podcast. So I'm really excited to delve into that. And then, and to sort of hear your experience compared to what you know of it now um and the professional scene now versus the the 80s and 90s when you were peaking but um yeah just bear with me and and listeners as I read out these achievements and uh I'm sure I'm sure it can be hard to listen to so many achievements at once too when when I know that you're quite modest but I'm going to try and do this chronologically and just list them out and then just get you to reflect on briefly uh, before we get into your background as, as a young child about which race you uh, enjoyed the most or is your favourite performance out of all of them. So uh, here goes nothing. So it, to me, it seems like it all started, and correct me at the, at the end if, if, uh, if there's any errors here, but in 1986, uh, as Australian champ, over the 1,500 and 3,000 on the track, but that continued, I know, into uh, 1990. And then in 87, the world champs in the 3,000 uh, fourth, and then an eighth in the world cross country champs in 1987 in Poland, and represented Australia at four world cross country champs actually, 86, 87, and 90, 92. In 87 as well, the 3,000, you had a 3,000 world ranking of fifth, which is amazing. You won the Sea to Surf in 92, which is the premier fun run in Australia uh, it's known for that for sure. 3,092 Olympic Games, which which perhaps may be the peak or favorite achievement you'll shortly pick in Spain. And then the 10,094 com games, that's over in Canada, yeah? Uh, yes, Victoria. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll have to have to get into this one shortly too, because I don't know what it is being a bit. Further back than my time, uh, the Bridge to Bay in Brisbane, Bridge to Bay 2000, which um, was prior to the Sydney Marathon win. So you won both of those. That was 2001, the Sydney Marathon. And then if we get quickly to to times within those events, 1,500, 4,36, and excuse my rounding up as a maths teacher, uh, 3,901, 5,016,09, 10,032, 18, 10k on the road, 31:45, 15k. It's a rare event, 15:132, uh, the half Mara in Brisbane, uh, 114 32. and the marathon, a 2:34:52. And these are off the World Athletics site, so at the moment you can correct me if they're wrong. But we're looking at those times and dates between 87 for the 10k for your pb through to 2002 how many errors did i make
1: <laughs> um i think my my 1500 i'm just pulling up mm. um the uh, i'll just have a look here um and this is how um my friends who i run with think that i'm very professional um, I sometimes you know forget to start my watch or you know don't bring it um, so my best time for 1500 was 414
0: hmm. um
1: and the um 5000 meter track was 1528
0: that's a whole that lot quicker was- both yeah. of them respectively to the distance yeah
1: Yeah, and um, and the 3000 meter one you were talking about for the world, it was actually the first World Indoor Championships that 848. And um, while I was waiting um for us to have a catch up, I actually um googled a YouTube uh, video of the YouTube of that race, and that was um, 1987 Indianapolis, and it had the the Olympic for. gold silver and bronze medals in the race and so it's a long time since I've I didn't actually I knew it was there but I hadn't really watched it it's a bit fuzzy and things like that and I just it made me think that um I just really was so naive I had really no idea what I was doing I just yeah, it was could have asked. been a
0: good thing at the time
1: yeah, exactly. But, yeah, um, and I think I have run a faster half, or I know um, I at the Gold Coast one year. Um, I am thinking surely you have marathon. run a
0: quicker one than Brisbane. But that's, that's yeah. such a great time at the Brisbane half, and I'm glad that uh, you wanted the, the local areas around the, the Brisbane Marathon. But it has been known for often being hilly, and the, the course seems to change a lot. The, the traditions aren't as, as great as other marathons like Gold Coast.
1: Yeah and I think also when I moved to Brisbane I wasn't running in uh, we moved here in 1994 so I had a lot of years where um, I wasn't running so I didn't actually um, compete in a lot of the you know road races or track races here in Queensland having come from ACT so those like say the 2000 the one where it says bridge to bay, that was actually the bridge to Brisbane. But for some reason, maybe oh. due to roads or something, it was, um, it started on the bridge, but it went the other way. And I'm pretty sure Pat Carroll won it as well that year. So, yeah. So some of those runs were like when I was trying to make the Olympics in 2000, I sort of had a, a break and um, I had my son and then I I was well again, and so I I thought I'd have a go at trying to make the Sydney Olympics. So that's when I sort of started running in Brisbane more.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, that's interesting. Thanks for those corrections. I could have asked you every single event, but I've gone out assertively and listed them out off uh, the World Athletics profile, which is great. Um, They seem to list a lot of runners' events pretty accurately. At times, I do know there can be mistakes. So thank you very much for that. Um, I want to come back to that shortly about that time uh, around the 80s and 90s with your achievements there. But if we just for a moment go back to childhood about where you grew up and, and how that looked in terms of your upbringing, family influence, uh, siblings or friends and what got you into running in the first place?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm from a small country town in the Riverina area called Leeton. So the, most, uh, the best way to explain it is when you buy that Sunrise Packet um that's from Leeton's, where that's from so most people go okay and um it's a town known for fruit growing and um they used to have a a big fruit cannery there and I just um I started out as a swimmer actually my mum uh had a swimming school that she ran out of a pool in our paddock on our farm and uh we grew up um yeah going to swim club and then my sister, actually, who's you know was really tiny, decided that she wanted to try little athletics because she thought it was for little people. And you know, I was an okay swimmer, and so I just virtually tagged along. And you know, it's true, I tripped over the hurdles. I I was not too bad at high jump because I was tall and gangly, and um, came last in the sprints. But they had a fifteen hundred or yeah, it was at 800 first, and a 1500, and everyone got really tired, and I could just keep on going. So, that's virtually at 10 years old, um, on a little grass bindy track in in Leeton. Mm. I thought, oh, maybe maybe I could be good at something, and um, that's where it began. And my my parents were um, really supportive, and so they used to be the marshal or the um, announcer at athletic carnivals and I had a great coach He was actually a throws coach so his philosophy was that you should do everything and that he wanted me to be running when I was in my 20s not just when I was you know 12 13 14 15 and so my actual first medal at the state championships was the third medal uh, a bronze medal in the discus so I had the sh- uh, shoulders not many people would believe it now, but the shoulders from swimming. And um, yeah, so that's how that, um, the running began there. And my dad used to run with me at first. And then as I got a bit better, he used to ride the bike with me. And I'm talking, we would only run, it would be a couple of kilometers. um, And then we'd stop at the shop, grab the bread and milk, and he'd race me home. And then as I got better, he'd rode the bike and then he borrowed a little mini bike and come beside me. And then as I kept improving, he introduced me to a friend of his, um, Kevin Rowey, who was the local detective, but the coach for the rugby league team. And he was training for the police Olympics. So I started, you know, running with him and I improved a lot. So yeah, that's, and I was about 15 at that time.
0: I love how you, your father was on the bike, not not the opposite. <laughs> my son getting older, I think hopefully he can keep up with me running and he's on the bike. But um, were, they, were they into running? Did they uh, watch it or enjoy it or compete or recreationally uh, run?
1: No, they didn't actually, but they were very sporty. Uh, Mum was obviously a swimmer and she was an A-grade squash player. And Dad... Um, you know, was really good at tennis and played a bit of football. So they always kept really fit. Um, but they, uh, they've they kept uh, me very grounded because it wasn't until um, the Commonwealth Games that, or actually after the Sydney Marathon, and there must have, there was a picture in the Daily Telegraph, and my dad gets that paper in Leeton, and he called me up and he said, oh, a mate told me that you just won the marathon. He goes, I guess you can run a bit. <laughs> so i come from that sort of background you know um it, it just so very supportive but if you know i was woken up in the morning to go running and it was uh, sort of up to me so i was very you know self-motivated from a young age to 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 run
0: yeah and this uh, we, are we talking the 70s here through primary school then <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I hate to, well, hate to bring up uh, age,
0: yes. but, no, um, no,
1: I'm I'm quite happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, i turned I fifty six in May. Yeah. So yeah. Well, so, there you go. You've made um, it easy yes. for me now. <laughs> yeah, it's okay.
0: Yeah. It's so okay. where what was the school called that you went to for both primary and high school?
1: Yeah. So I went to St Joseph's Primary School in Leeton, yep. and then St Francis College till Year Ten, and then you they only went to Year Ten, so it was either yeah. boarding school or going to the state school and it was actually a real blessing for me because mum and dad gave me the option to go to boarding school in Wagga or Albury but they said they possibly they wouldn't be able to afford to take me or help with fund my running because at that stage through high school sometimes every second weekend um, dad predominantly would drive me to Sydney Um, to compete. And that was like an eight hour trip back then picked me up from school on Friday, you know? So, so anyway, I went to Leeton high school and um, yeah, it's probably the first time I ever shared anything about my running because it actually wasn't that cool to be, um, you know, either good at anything or, or running back in those days. Yeah. Yeah, That's what
0: I wanted to get to because even these days and I've taught in, co-ed schools and all girls schools it's still in even for boys too um they can be judged for trying too hard the the old um what they call it yeah it's a try hard yeah Um, essentially yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, and and yeah both yeah both girls and, and boys context but then also i know uh girls with body image issues and the fact that sport is, is far closer now. To, well, the, the competitive nature of it and participation with girls versus boys. But i assume even back then it would have been vastly different in terms of those particular concepts.
1: Yeah, actually, I love seeing the. There's a couple of coaches here at UQ, and there's these big groups of young girls, and they look strong and healthy, and they're all running and seem to be supporting each other. Whereas, you know, back in, you know, when I was in high school in particular, you know I and I was believe it or not not a chatterbox like I am now Um, but I was really shy and I was you know my mum's side of the family are very tall and gangly and thin and I just I just couldn't find my place because it wasn't it just was not cool to be good and I do remember um, walking in a school cross-country to be with my friends and not like try. And yeah, um, yeah. I've, actu- I've, actu- I've actually been trying to get in touch with the PE teacher um, who's um, someone's helping me do that um, because he called me into his office afterwards and just said to me, um, I'll, I'll meet you down at the gate tomorrow at 3.30 and I'm going to time you and you're going to run that cross country and okay. make that team. And I never want you to ever do that again he said you know be proud that you you know you can run and you're good at it but yeah it was a really you know difficult time so I didn't tell anyone where I was going on weekends I didn't you know share what I did it was sort of yeah this sort of secret (laughs) and and when yeah you you go sorry oh I was just gonna say and then and that it was a predominantly boys boarding school and then it went co-ed so i was you know being shy and i think i'd go to cross-country training and i'd or i'd be doing my best and people would call out oh you think you're so good and Mm. i think oh okay you know and i yeah i really struggled and then went to the high school and you know people were just saying how come you don't you know tell us and i just yeah i said oh (laughs) it's just something i've never never done so um it, it's, it's one of those things that I, I'm hoping is changing and seeing young people um, supporting each other and, um, you know, especially young girls running through those teenage years when they're going through puberty and that sort of thing. Um, and, and, and boys, I think it, it's, it's really exciting. I love going out for a, a slow run where I know I can't keep out, up with them here at UQ and, yeah. you know, seeing them all talking and laughing and just it's great.
0: Yeah, it's, it's such a weird concept, isn't it? That by trying hard, it's it's for some reason uh, looked weirdly upon. Yeah. And, it, um, I'm so yeah. happy that, that that teacher was of that mindset to, to pull you aside and, and get you back actually competing in the event. I had a similar experience as a boy um, many years ago at Morris College. We did a, I remember we did a fundraiser for, for walking. It was like yep. 15 or 20K, but part of it, or every time we did it every year there was always boys that would run it and the, the whole it was a fundraiser but the running like a park runs you know concept is that it's essentially not a race and i know we spoke about it differently this morning uh, earlier about this morning but um it, yeah, it wasn't deemed a race but there'll always be runners doing it and i'd always get two sides a side of my friends telling me to run it because i was re- half reasonable and then other mates who, as you said, are deemed a sort of cooler group to, to kind of yes. sort of plod along and walk. So it's it's funny how it's still present to a degree and has been for, you know, that's 30, 40 years.
1: Yeah, it's, it is a shame. And actually, there's another connection. So I taught at Marist. My son <laughs> went to Marist in year five, um, and I taught there from for about, um, yeah, five years. So just doing sort of contracts and supply teaching and used to coach the cross-country. And one of the things that I did love, I guess I was older and didn't really care what anyone thought, but the fact that I could actually run with the boys and keep up. So it it helped me get a bit of respect, I think.
0: (laughs) Oh, definitely. They would have loved that. That's awesome. So what about end end of uh, high school there? Were there some more significant achievements representatively? Uh, And was there any other runners? Like we're the only... Uh, runner that, that was like, as you were saying, almost like the weird runner person. Yeah. Was there another few athletes or not?
1: No, no. It yeah. was, um, there was another um, lady, Jenny Bourne, and she was the world, tra- um, I was going to say triathlon, but it's not, orienteering champion. So there was older people. So I used to meet um, Kevin Rowley, um in the mornings. He did get me go to go to football um, training one one day and run with the guys but I ran too fast and um, I think I was scared of them and embarrassed so they didn't invite me back so I used to meet him a couple of mornings a week then I'd do um, my this track sessions uh, with the athletics coach a couple of afternoons a week I played netball Um, the only reason I was good at netball was um, because I was fit and so I'd go center and run the the other um, opponent ragged so I, I was free to get the ball played softball I was given lots of opportunities to to have a go at everything and I think in a small town um, there's not much more to do um, than sport so I I kept busy with that sort of thing Um, but no I I was a a bit of a solo you know um, motivational you know purpose Um, and I used to yeah, just get sessions set for me in the holidays and i just go down to the grass track and, yeah, do it by myself or dad would come with me and, um, yeah, he, he'd make up these sparkle sessions and blow a whistle and, yeah, and make it a bit of fun. But I, I do remember when I was about 15, I saw um, a show on, I don't know whether it's ABC, on the AIS in Canberra and I, I do remember sitting there thinking, I wonder whether I'd ever be good enough to go, you know, to the AIS for running. And so I think that sort of, um, I never did enough to be really competitive when I went to country championships, okay, but I'd go to state championships and I would be like, sometimes it would be 25 in a 1500, you know, and um, yeah, I'd be sort of mid, midfield, but that's because I didn't do a lot of running. Hmm. And as I got a bit older, I sort of gradually increased that um, distance.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So let's get to that. Um, and what, what did it look like training after school? Like wh- where, did you train and, and who were you training with at that point in time?
1: Well, after school, I applied to teachers college in Canberra. So I moved to Canberra and, um, once again, it was a decision whether, um, mum and dad could afford for me to go to uh, you know accommodation or um, you know support my running because it was really evident then that you needed to travel and you needed to um, you know have experience to lots of competition so I deferred my studies in Canberra and I worked for two years in the Commonwealth Bank and right. after that time I, I joined a coaching group there in Canberra with a guy called Ed Helgeby who was a coach that was um, way ahead of the times and I trained with him for two years and I I started to really um, improve he coached 800 and 1500 meter runners so yeah so I improved then and that year I think I won the national 1500 and 3000 meters and got a scholarship to the AIS.
0: So that was 86 then was it?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to sort of chrono- chronologically piece all this together. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry,
1: I'll probably jump around, but it's so long ago, even. No, I think I our, really our ordering is
0: pretty good here. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Carry okay. on.
1: <laughs> yeah. So 84 moved to Canberra. Yeah. Worked for yeah. two years, got a scholarship um, to train at the AIS with um, a guy, Pat, uh, coach Pat Clohesy, and I think um, in one of your interviews, um, yeah, Aiden you asked- brought him up. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, um, and Pat was coaching Rob De Costella in Canberra then. And there was a big group of distance runners. Um, Jared, a lot of guys that would, you know, you're too young to, to possibly, you know, know them. But they were very good distance runners. Um, Pat Carroll was there for a while. Um, and I was, there was only a couple of girls training with Pat at that time. And so, my first year, 1987, is probably the year that was you consider a breakthrough year for me.
0: Yeah, I've got and that molded.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I think the opportunities back then that the AIS provided for us to be able to travel. And I, I still remember um, it was only about three weeks before that world indoors in 1987. So, I'd made the world cross country team. But um, by winning the um, nationals, but the Pat said, "Oh, um, turned up at training one Wednesday, and he said, oh, uh, Athletics Australia have phoned me, and there's um, a spot for the three thousand metres at the World Indoors. Would you would you want to go?'" I said, "Oh, okay then." So three weeks later, I was running, you know, in America indoors in America. So had had you travel for
0: any running at that point in time?
1: Um, or or even dad, traveling
0: in general for holidays. Uh,
1: yeah, though. yeah. Um, I went to the under-18 America when I was under 18. Mum and dad yeah, yeah. Um, paid for that. So, yeah. and actually, um, looking back now, I remember that's probably an opportunity I I missed. I got offered a scholarship over there, but back in those days, the coaches at the, the colleges used to just run. The runners just into the ground, so the advice was not to go. Whereas nowadays, I look at some of these oh, young so girls many, like yeah. Jessica Hull and they're just being nurtured, and yeah, like yeah, just and Kai brought-
0: Robinson, I who I interviewed first on the whole podcast, is absolutely thriving. I think he's he's um third ranked in the 5,000 for Aussie Man at the moment, um, and that was a similar sort of environment like, like the you, you're referring to going to college um yes. to, to study and, and compete as an athlete yeah
1: mm, but but it wasn't uh i guess the education wasn't there back then yeah and i was i was so um yeah shy i probably would have struggled with homesickness Canberra was a big enough effort at the time. Um, But anyway, I didn't take that opportunity, but that was a great experience for me and I ran really well. But once again, I was the only distance runner that went on that under 18 team. Um, So, yeah, so the world indoors was um, just a great experience, but I went into that with um, just nothing to no expectations and, to watch the race um, back now, I, I just think, oh, I should have gone then. I could have probably got a medal. Um, but, yeah, and a couple of those girls that got first, second, and third were banned for drugs um, in their later years. Oh, right. So had you yeah. ever run
0: on an indoor track prior to the no. So you literally – and was that a 400-metre indoor track? Aren't, two, aren't they two, notoriously different? Yeah.
1: 200 metres, yeah. yeah
0: yeah so and this you know, i had conversations to kyle robinson about that you know you're doing more more turns there's it's half a track so what do you credit to that time being so fast bit of an anomaly uh, compared to your other times
1: um i was basically running with the guys with pat so yeah. i was running well um i would yeah, I didn't realise how well I was running. We didn't have GPS watches back then. I didn't know what per kilometre I was running. I just got told what to do and I'd do it. And, yeah, I, I obviously was running, running well before I left. But I do credit the bank 200-metre track to the fact that I kept thinking I was going to fall in. And so <laughs> you had to run a certain pace so that you wouldn't fall in. But I just think that I had no expectation or pressure on me. This was just an opportunity. And yeah, and it honestly, I I think I could have run faster. I don't often say that, but I just think, oh, wow, if I had more of an idea what I was doing.
0: Yeah, definitely. So where did that stand in terms of records at the time and or was it a record did, and if it was did it stand for a number of years plus also the fact it was indoors versus outdoors
1: yes um and actually someone told me afterwards that um uh, if i'd have run outdoors it would have been faster but i'm i i could be wrong but i think jessica hut um jess hull has just broken it and i know not people don't run uh, it was an australian record for world indoor uh, 3,000 metres, 8.48. Um, And I, sorry, I forgot what you asked me.
0: Uh, In terms of that being a record at all during that time, that Indoor 3,000?
1: Oh, yeah, I'll start. Yes, it was a record at the time. And I think just this year, Jessica Hull's broken that Australian record. Um, And that's possibly because people don't, you know, run it very often. But yeah. it was my fastest time, indoor or outdoor, at the time, and I think 1992 was the last time 3000 meters was at an Olympics. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, it was I was um, just over the moon. It just made me, I guess, think that, um, you know, have hope that anything was possible if it was for. I came fourth. Um, in a field that um, if you ever go back and have a look at the YouTube... um, I'll look at it tonight. Yeah, the YouTube video of the race. They said that it was a a better field than the Olympic field. Um, So there were, um, yeah, Olga Bondarenko, um, a a girl, Puika, Samalenko, she was done for drugs. Um, Yeah, an English, um, Yvonne Murray. So at the time um you know and Liz um I'm trying to think of her name anyway um the Canadian girl who'd won the Commonwealth Games a year before she was in the race as well so it was a class field and maybe I was um like you said at the beginning maybe being naive and just going into without expectations it was like oh I wonder what what might happen
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. And even I've, I've just seen here prior to an 86, you had the Canberra one mile record of 430 and the 5,000 um, of track champs record 1529 rounded up uh, again in 86, same year. So, you know, I guess uh, nationally and locally, so to speak, that uh, 86 was a good year, but it seemed 87 then on a worldly stage was definitely a, a year for you that gave you that confidence because, um, you know, that there's a bit of a, just not a gap, so to speak, but in terms of the big, bigger achievements, it was till, unless I skip something here, of course, jump in, but the 92 city to surf win was coupled with the Olympic games. And I do know in there, in that period, you were doing some cross country. So where does cross country sit for you in terms of enjoyment and the achievements you made there? And did it have any impact? Do you think, on your road running, particularly with, I know the depths in cross country can be insane, uh, how many runners compete in it, but then also like the hills, um, the different surfaces yep. run over and any mental experiences that were taken from there then into those 92 achievements?
1: Yeah, it, I think cross country can build a lot of strength. And it was really popular in Canberra. Mm. And I think that um, even though my build was slight, I think we did a lot of um, training in Stromlo Forest, over hills. And I think that that helped with the cross country. I also felt really free when I did cross country. I think, you know, you're not on like that track where you send a stage or um, on a road you know, with people lined, you know, mm-hmm. down either side, and it, it, I just found it a real challenge, and was able to really push myself. And I think that the cross country um, world um, championships that I got to go to, they helped um, build me, um, I guess, a strength um, of mind um, for that I use later on, because in I, that first cross country in Switzerland in 1986, I remember a really um, dear friend of mine to this day, Annie Lord. She said to me, "You know, Krishna, when you you got to get out of this gate." as fast as you can so all the countries are in like these gates and you have to get out as fast as you can and find your place and then at the end you have to grab the person's shirt in front of you as you cross the line because otherwise people you know 20 people will finish at once and they'll push in so all that sort of you know um, just uh, competitive um, you know atmosphere and 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 the strength of um, running on those sort of courses, I think yeah, it did help me long term.
0: Yeah, no, that's um, it's interesting because it, yeah, it's it's quite different cross country to the roads. And I was talking to uh, Cara Fee and Ryan actually in the last episode about participation in it, particularly for women, still an area that could be uh, improved or increased. And um, yeah, I'm glad to have the feedback about its impact on the road. So leading into '92, the then was the city to surf before? Prior to the Olympics, or was that after? No,
1: no, it was actually afterwards. So, um, just from eighty-seven, do you mind if I just like yeah. explain that gap?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, because so at the end of eighty-seven, it was like um they picked the um the team for eighty-eight for and so um that was in Seoul, I think that's right. Yes. The Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was like that was where I thought I was heading. And I finished a run one day in Stromlo and I thought I rolled my ankle. And uh, so I went to the physio, um, which we're lucky to be able to just go to any time. And they strapped my ankle, we iced it, um, and they taped my foot. And so that helped and I could keep on running, but it just didn't get any better. To cut a long story short, I ended up having a navicular stress fracture right through and um, I was meant to be going overseas with that team that, like, for a camp um, for the Olympics. And then they said, you better stay back and we'll get this foot right. And yeah, basically, from 1988 to 1990, I spent 12 months out of two years in plaster or oh. crutches. Oh, yeah. So they did a bone graft into the navicular. And three months later, uh, after putting a scan up, um, they'd put the bone graft in the wrong place. Oh, so they'd no. good bone. Um, yeah, so there was a, a forced um, period of non-running when things were going the best, you know, they had for yeah. me in a long, long time.
0: Yeah, must've made you train pretty hard then into the nineties uh, prior to the next well, Olympics. And was that was that then a, a motivation to get to the 92 Olympics?
1: yeah um i spent i still had a scholarship um, at the ais but i would spend you know someone told me you had to ride a bike as twice as long as you um you know would run so i'd sit on this clunk there were no alter g's back then or you know yeah, fancy pool bikes no oh yeah pool running that was yeah, around Pat Car- yeah yeah. Yeah. Pat yeah and i've spent hours at the ais pool pool running um And um, on this clunky exercise bike, I'd get a video, no videos now, put a video in of some Olympic, you know, from the AIS library to try and motivate me and spend three hours on a bike. So I tried to keep myself as fit as possible. And then 1990, I did, yeah, win the nationals for the, I think the 1,500 and 3,000 metres. So that's when I thought, okay, you know, I think I can, because I thought I wouldn't be able to run again. I wasn't sure, you know, that it was going to heal well enough.
0: Yeah. And there was still a handful of professional uh, years in you after that time. Um, so yeah, you said the Sea to surf was after the Olympics. It's funny that I'm putting the Sea to surf in the same sentence as the Olympic games, uh, probably my naive uh, nature, but uh, it's a it's a big fun run in Australia and you did you did win it. But so what month was the Olympic Games in Barcelona in Barcelona and Spain? And, um, you know, that must have been an amazing experience. to Look back on now, you'll always remember.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's not till I'm uh, now that I'm older, do I really appreciate it. It was, yeah. uh, it was actually not what everyone um, would expect the experience to be for me. Um, but, yep, I made an Olympics. I At that time, they had an A and a B squad. And um, I wasn't initially picked in the team. I was over in London. And then I was picked at the last minute um, out of the, you know, for the 3000 metres and a, a dear friend of mine, Jenny Lund um, missed out. So it was sort of a, yeah, a difficult time. And I did go to the Olympics in great shape, but um, yeah, I was bitten by a spider a couple of days before my race and on antibiotics and it wasn't the, the race that I, you know, had hoped it to be. So the, coming back, uh, a, a, probably a week, we got back from Barcelona and the City to Surf was on. And oh. we happened to be in Sydney for the weekend. So I just entered the day before. And this is actually a funny story now. So I entered and I'm, I i do not know, 30,000... 866 I think was my number something like that anyway I snuck into the front of the start line um, with a couple of friends of mine because normally you have to you know um, be back of the pack if you enter late and yeah I actually won the race but I wasn't um, on the commentators list as being like you know, on the starting line, yeah. so I got I before they pre- did the presentations, they did an investigation to see that I was actually on the starting line and that I hadn't cheated because someone had reported 30,668 or something as cheating,
0: it should not have so been that, in that area,
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So they checked with uh, you know, the girls that I ran with and said, you know, was she on the starting line? And they, yeah, then they have, awarded me first place. But that was a really, um, it was healing for me because the Olympics, yes, it's great to have got to that level. But when you have the expectations of how, you know, I'd been training and how I should have raced um, and some of those girls I knew, you know, I should have have been able to run better, it just was really disappointing. So it it took me a while to get over.
0: Oh, yeah. And what time did you run and and placing... Uh, did you make the final or was it a semi-final? No,
1: yeah, I didn't make the final. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I ran and it was 99% humidity as well when we ran the, that race. And I remember us, now they do all the training up in cans or, um, yeah. you know, for getting used to the heat. I, I look like I got out of a swimming pool when I finished. I think I ran 8.54 or something like that. But, yeah, way off the shape that I'd shown I was in. So running the city to surf um, after getting off antibiotics and feeling well again um, made me realise that I probably, yeah, missed the mark with the Olympics. But, you know, as they say, it's getting it right on one day, a particular it's day in It's so 40 funny years. how it
0: works, yeah. It's just one yeah. day and and literally yeah. it's a spider. Change the... Yeah, uh, yeah poison. It anyway, it's still a great time. But, yeah, as you put it pretty clearly, it's something that... Um, experience that you're proud of and enjoyed, but didn't go the way that you wanted. So then two years later, Commonwealth Games, I was talking to my dad this morning, actually. He was talking uh, to me about the race. Um, that was 3,000 again, yeah?
1: 10,000. Uh,
0: 10,000, 10, okay. But he said there was, was there three Aussies, Aussie ladies, first, second, third and yes. that, was it?
1: Oh, no, that's us for the marathon in 2002. That's that his was... pitch you said to to bring some, show you some members. Ah,
0: ah, there you go. Two thousand and two. Yeah. So we're yeah. eight years prior. Um, yeah. So this is why it's great getting on here to clarify these things for me and other other listeners. But um, ninety four. Then what what, what um, sort of achievements were made there, and and how do you look back okay. on that time?
1: Um, well, I'd actually after Barcelona, I decided that I I possibly needed a break and I just you know I kept getting to such a good level and then something would go wrong and part of that I was um, I, I did get um, stress fractures and you know people used to just say oh it's because you're so thin and you need to eat more so I would eat more and nothing would change I'd take calcium tablets and it wasn't till 2005 did I find out I've had celiac's disease So all that time, so I wasn't absorbing calcium or iron or anything. And yeah, the reason I'm mentioning it is it's just one of those frustrating things. Is that um, now people are more so much more aware of you know thing health things that can affect exercise. And it's one of those things that I I sometimes you know do wonder you know how did I run so well um, you know. With the issues that I did have, I just sort of, you know, learnt to live with them. So basically to answer your question, I took up triathlons so I could swim and run. And, yeah, I did that for almost 12 and a half months and I was running really well off that training. And so I ended up going to Canada and running a 10K track race Um, and I ran 32.17 and got picked in the Commonwealth Games team for the the 10,000 metres because there was no one had qualified. They said, if you go across and fund yourself um, and you qualify, well, you know, we'll we'll look at adding you to the team. So that's how that came about. So I basically did not step on the track for two years in preparation for that race. And, um, yeah, went into the Commonwealth Games as the fastest qualifier um, at 32.17. Um, but I, we'd actually come up to Brisbane a couple of weeks before I was probably a month before, cause it was freezing in Canberra to train. And I got a bacterial infection in my toe and I got put on antibiotics that didn't work and the infection spread to my blood. So I ended up with uh Epstein-Barr virus and chronic fatigue, and I didn't really know what was wrong. I, um, I just was tired all the time and, wasn't running well, but I still went to the games and I'd run one day, rest the other. Um, and I ran that 10,000 metre race, uh, determined not to pull out and um, cross the line. I think, I can't even remember the time, so disappointed. And, yeah, basically I didn't re- run a step for two years after that because I had chronic fatigue syndrome.
0: Yeah, right, yeah. And um, this so th- this is around... Uh, 94 she, isn't it but then yeah, so but then it go. your achievements yeah. go all the way in a more professional level through to the 2002 is that that's correct because
1: I, yeah that's yeah. because um uh I think in running years, I'm not 56, so I've had so many gaps, (laughs) so many breaks, (laughs) and I must, I can just say I must love running, because um, something inside of me, or someone, or something someone says motivates me to get going again, so yeah, so 96, um, I fell pregnant, had my son, and that fixed everything. So I was like, uh, the, there's documented cases, actually. Um, Alastair Lynch, maybe, are you too young for him? The so name Prison sounds like, familiar, yeah. Yeah, AFL player. Yeah, oh so
0: yeah, Af- yeah AFL, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: so he had chronic fatigue at the same time. And um, I think he wrote in his book somewhere that we were trying similar treatments, but unfortunately he wasn't able to get pregnant. So it, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't helping him, but it did fix it. So, you know, having Zach, sort of gave me a new lease of life and Sydney got the um, Olympics and I thought, oh well, what if what if I give it a go? Um, and why not? And so I trained really hard and I came third at the trials. you had to run 32:30 and I ran 3244 and I didn't get picked and so I went okay, that's it. It's time to go. I gave it, a, you know, a good shot. So, you know, with that training, I had a little boy. Um, I was trying to do a lot of cross training so I didn't get injured. Um, still hadn't been diagnosed as a celiac. Um, and, yep. yeah, and so after that, um, that the trials are not getting picked and um, I decided, yeah, I was going to hang up my running shoes. But a really dear friend of mine Um, that I went to the AIS with as a – or first ran against her when we were probably 12, um, Kereth Duncanson. She tripped me up in that race, and we're still friends to this day. Uh, But she said to me, look, every distance runner should run a marathon before they retire. And this is funny because people in Brisbane think I'm a marathon runner, Hmm. but I'm actually, you know, haven't really come from that background. And she said, why don't we do the Sydney Marathon in 2001 over the Olympic course? It was like a uh, follow the blue line and finish at Olympic Park. And everyone, a lot of people said I wouldn't be able to do it because I'd get injured. Anyway, yeah, ran that race. Uh, We trained together but afar, Uh, ran two hours 38 without a watch and just ran because I loved it and I crossed the line and I remember a, a, a guy named Mike Hurst, who'd followed my running said, Oh, you've qualified for the Commonwealth games. I said, Oh, they won't pick me. I'm too old. But at the time, Karen McCann had qualified Jackie Gallagher. Uh, yeah, these three. are
0: the names my dad threw me this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. So the three of us had all qualified and a couple of young people and um, we just, the three of us got picked. So Karen and I first ran together when we were 12 years old. Jackie and I had competed Queensland, New South Wales team since we were 15. And here were the three of us being picked to run the marathon at the Commonwealth Games. So it was a bit of a, like, a, yeah, unbelievable, um, I guess, journey because it wasn't what I was expecting or um, wanting to get out of it.
0: Yeah, but it shows too that, you know, that half marathon, marathon distance is always a, an option and hope for the older runners because it's just over time you can build that consistency both physically, mentally, all those things. Um, so to, And to be able to do it for so long and achieve it at one of, you know, the, the greatest heights of the Commonwealth Games must have been great to, a, a note to go out on and including the, the, that Brisbane... Half marathon of 114
1: too. Yeah, I, I think that you're right. I think there's a lot of running in my legs. Um, definitely can't go as fast these days. But the philosophy I use is still the same. As um, I have a coach now, but the philosophy I um, use is is still or have used, and especially for that um, Sydney marathon, was similar to what you know the training I did with Pat Corhesi. Um you know, lots of um, fartlek and you know long run Wednesday and Sundays, that type of thing. You, know, I've heard you ask, you know, a lot of the, the athletes week. what they're yeah. yeah the training week and and I I really believe that there's no magic necessary magic training program. It, it is consistency and yeah. you know staying well, not getting injured and things mm. like that. It, that wasn't necessarily my career, but um, yeah, I'm I'm still running so you know something's going okay
0: <laughs> yeah no definitely and would you do two sessions a week with a long run back then uh or three like um, fast, faster speed sessions or tempo sessions
1: yeah so um f- probably uh, yeah when just two wednesday and sunday and probably sessions on tuesday thursday and saturday oh, and the i always long had runs
0: goes- wednesday sunday yeah and sunday. then around yep. that the the fastest sessions, yeah. And would they, would they always, would would they vary between shorter and longer and more continuous, and would that be regular each week? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it was. And it, and always an easy Monday. And before the Sydney Marathon, I had it every Friday off. So I, you know, when I went to the Commonwealth Games, I was doing less mileage than some of the girls that were running the 10,000. 10, I had to be really uh, strong. And, and confident in, in my, you know, um, what I'd been doing, because my goal was to get to that starting line uninjured, but uh, and do what worked for me. And yeah, those, the high mileage just, um, yeah, less is best sometimes.
0: So, what sort of mileage was it that you were doing? Um, a, probably a range? About
1: 100, 100 to
0: 120. Yeah, okay. And the other ladies?
1: I think Karen, she was like up to you know 180, um, yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, so so when I went, when we went to the Commonwealth Games, I, um, you know, I really, this is only my second ever marathon, so I just copied everything she did. She made <laughs> up my drink bottles, you know, and when she went for a run, I went for a run. Yeah. I was oh, very that's amazing! amazing. <laughs> Second
0: marathon, and it's uh, the Commonwealth Games. And uh, you, did you run a few hills then too? Do you continue the hill running late in your career?
1: Um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, as secret um, that is um, builds strength that when you don't realize or when you don't go to the gym a lot. I think hills are really good as part of training. So and that was once something in Canberra that always all the running was over hills, and I think that's probably where my strength came from.
0: Yeah, yeah. And do you think do you think like these days now that the more elite athletes in the marathon and half marathon are maybe not doing enough hills, as in that men's marathon record hasn't been broken for a long time, has it?
1: No, it hasn't. You'll have to ask the experts of that, Steve (laughs) Monagetti and and Rob. He, I think, I think he like, talks
0: about that, Steve Monagetti, about um, the amount of does. hills that he did, he did anyway. But then the also, clock. like you were mentioning, not not knowing as much about the details of how far or fast you're always running. I, I listened to him on some podcasts about him talking about he'd found out at a later date that again, like I'm saying, that with the distance or pace, that it was it was less, <laughs> but <laughs> mentally obviously he he assumed a certain distance and pace in his head and I yeah. it must be there must be something about that that's a good thing like i was mentioning this morning about the sandgate park run um i didn't look at my watch once in the in the whole run and me- mentally for me it's a it's quite a bad thing if it's too quick or too slow it's not oh, a yeah. benefit so yeah. As technology increases, there must have been some benefits of that. One, one, one thing that maybe isn't, which was my next question, was footwear. What, what shoes were you wearing back then and what do you wear now?
1: Um, so for a while I was um, sponsored by, um, um, at first, Puma when I was running uh, early on, and then um, Nike, and then at the Commonwealth Games I was sponsored by Feeler. So... Um, To tell you the truth, yeah, that was like I was a poor student, you know. I don't necessarily – I wouldn't necessarily choose those shoes now. Um, And now I run in ASICs.
0: And what what ASICs are they?
1: um, Nimbus or cumulus with my so a neutral shoe. And more trainer.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and I've got – yeah, so – yeah, and I think that they've been good for me. And I have like high arches, so I've just got a bit of arch support um, in in that. Um, but yeah, and I've just bought my. Um, I've got a few goals coming up, um, hence having a coach for a while. Um, so I've just bought my first pair of Meta Sky racing flats.
0: Asics, aren't they?
1: Yes, they have a yeah.
0: Meta, a Meta range, don't they?
1: Yeah, so um, Jess Treengrove raced in them at Launceston, so I thought, well, if they're good for her, surely they can be.
0: Oh, as in for the me. race just gone. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I should see how many Nikes were out there this morning um, on the start line of the of the Burt Park run. That they're right. just an absolute hit. Yeah, I, I wear this Saucony Endorphin Speed. It's a great range of Endorphin, but. Yeah, the Nike has absolutely taken over, and we've seen results and seen the footwear on the elite athletes in many races in the last few years. And geez, they've they've made some improvements uh, to times yes. for sure. Well, I-
1: well, I was just thinking about what my, um, earlier today, my first pair of running shoes were, I don't even know whether they have them anymore, but they were these k two twenty sixes, And they're these big chunky shoes that my dad thought would be good because had these skinny legs and they'd be really cushiony. Have you heard of those? <laughs> oh, lot, no. Like, uh, yeah. Don't worry, for the old people listening, they'll yeah, know but what I like, mean. <laughs> it's funny you say that
0: because they were the shoes were quite minimalist. Even um seven years ago ish the yes that before the thicker super shoes it was always a racing flat and now it's giving yeah. a chance both uh within the race to improve performance but then also i think even a bigger thing is recovery uh, um, that's what i've noticed yeah. yeah i did a half marathon yep. workout on the weekend running 15k over 20k run at my goal pace in the Sauconies, and I was fine two days later. I'd almost run yeah. a hard half marathon.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it is. It must is. Be different back in the day. Yeah, but no, we, we didn't know any different. So I think that's it. Um, it's just and, and, you know, just through some of the questions you've asked, you know, that we just didn't have Google or, you know, um, we had books we could get out of the library. But we couldn't, you know, um, Google what was happening over in America or, um, you know, races or training techniques, training methods. You just um, it was just very simple, Um, you know, and I guess I came from a small country town, moved to Canberra you know, that sort of thing. But nowadays, the young people have so much access to, whether it's the shoes and equipment, you know, even clothing. I don't know how we ran in Canberra, minus at minus one degrees with no, I don't know, tights or thermals or that sort of thing. So we we were, we were bred tough.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. But, this, but do you think that with the shoes, though, it can be a good thing these days to experience wearing flutter shoes or no shoes, barefoot? grass running for example because surely the actual strength are kind of true like a band-aid almost the the thicker shoes and super shoes to where we may have a lack of strength now especially in the lower limb areas as a runner compared to those days running in more minimalist shoes
1: uh, well, I remember I was of the era of Zola Bud and you know Mary Decker, Mary Slaney, yeah. and Zola was a barefoot runner, and there were a couple of girls trying to copy that, but they used to just end up with you know um, a lot more problems. So I think I won't I won't um, risk practicing in bare feet, but I do agree just even that you know balance and things, but maybe cross country back then with. You know, minimalist shoes was a good way for us to mm. strengthen ankles and all that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I'm too clumsy these
1: days, though, so for cross country. I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, different ball game. Um, yeah. And how about like uh, in terms of uh, motivation too for, for training and any any kind of mantras or sayings that you'd have day to day, week to week, or within races that um, you learned from somebody or made up yourself that were of benefit yeah. to you.
1: Um, my motivation, um, every now and again, I've, I've lost my mojo, I say. Um, but I, my motivation now is um, a lot from other people. Um, there's uh, you know, some really amazing people that I've met in the Brisbane running community who are not necessarily elite runners, but they are just like, I, I just have never met a distance runner that I, I haven't liked or is just not just a great person. Um, I just think people it, it attracts like-minded people and you know during COVID I had had a period where I wasn't doing much running and um, a, a friend a now friend um, Andre Whiteman who's a president of Brisbane Roadrunners Club he asked me would I help him do a PB for 5k and I think he thought he I was fitter than I was because he kept seeing me running around the uni and things like that and so I said oh yeah okay and then I thought oh my gosh I can't just wing this and that was he wanted to break 22 minutes and so I honestly my first attempt with him I was struggling and so that's what got me motivated again to get fit and once I get a little bit fit then I go okay I'll set myself a goal Um, and I think one of the things that has kept me going this long, because um, I'm actually doing the London Marathon, fingers crossed, in October, first weekend um, in October, um, is that, um, you know, w- what, what, it, what might be possible? I know I'm not going to do PBs anymore, but, mm. you know, I can still run. It's, um, it makes me the best version of me and I just go, what if I give it a go? What if, what might happen? and yes. and so th- there's nothing to lose you know a lot of people stop running when they get older because you know i hear them say well i'm not going to do a pb but you know it, it's just set set new goals and i think that's i'm a goal oriented person so yep yeah, it's not going to be a new pb but what about as a 56 year old lady you know why don't i see if i can get close to a record for my age group or mm. you know something something like that and i think i I've had so many times that running's been taken away from me that wasn't my choice. And so nowadays I actually, I run because I can, because these two lovely ladies are no longer here. And Karen died of breast cancer and Jackie, um, yeah, took her own life, sadly. And so I um, got back into running for my 50th, which is when I met. Um, the lucky ducks and runners and now my philosophy is just to you know enjoy it because I can still do it Um, you know make the most of the wonderful people that I meet um, and have become friends with of all different ages and and try and help other people achieve their goals if if I'm you know fit enough to and you know that's I guess what I get out of running now.
0: No, it's great. It, it, it's um, it's interesting, you know, planning this whole interview was uh, a big long list of achievements with your running. And it, it's almost like every question I ask, you're talking about your running now and, and what it's meant to you away from those achievements. And I think if there's anything out of this podcast, it's getting to understand the impact that it has on runners. Yes. And the thing is, like you said, I think a lot of it is about not just getting the most out of yourself, no matter how slow you are or fast, or how old or young you are. That's that's yeah. one part of it, but it's it's the socializing, it's the way that you feel, it's your yeah. health, or there's yeah some overriding reason that you're doing it. Like you mentioned um, with with your fellow running friends from the past um, who aren't with us anymore, and it, it can bring so much meaning to your life. So um, yeah, I really yeah. appreciate hearing about it now and it can inspire um anyone no matter what their situation is because the reality is unless you're elliot kipchoge so to speak there's always someone ahead of you and i realized that pretty pretty quickly this morning
1: (laughs) yeah exactly and and i think if you can um you know I I think if you can run for the right reasons, like, you know, um, sometimes when I was younger, it was like, you know, I had to prove that I wasn't going to get injured or I could do it. Whereas I think if people can run for the right reasons, um, you know, I, I say, and I think it's true, it makes me the best version of me. And I think most of us, you know, could vouch for that. You know, I've heard you talk, you know, the days we don't go for a run, we're not a bit grumpy or, you know, that sort of thing. So I think I no longer take it for granted. Um, and I just think that, you, yep, um, I have achieved, you um, You know a few things, but ultimately it's um, the the downs. There's been more downs than ups, but it's definitely been worth it. It, It's just really, um, I guess, made me the person I am today, and I think that it's given me a determination and almost a resilience that sometimes I think in young people we're not necessarily seeing all the time. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's it. And I I remember, you know, two thousand Olympics for me stands out. As a young kid, I was about twelve and seeing seeing those performances and how amazing it would be to be there. and you've just mentioned that you've had more downs than, than ups in your running career, which has made you who you are today, which which is amazing. You mentioned London as a a goal in the next um what it would be almost to be under six months away. what What sort of goals do you have in the next um, year or so with your running and and coaching and anything around uh, the sport of running?
1: Well, before COVID, I was I had this crazy goal of trying to get close to a record for my age group for 55. You know that 55, and and then we everything got cancelled. I was mainly it was going to be Gold Coast, Um, and so uh, I think at this stage I can't run as fast as I used to. I've lost a lot of muscle strength, but I seem to be able to run. Longer at a quite at an okay pace, so I thought maybe the half marathon or the marathon for my age group. So I am doing the half marathon at the Gold Coast. Great, see you
0: there.
1: Yeah, see you there. well see so you um, in front of te- me or behind me. Uh, what time? Oh, I what time you're aiming
0: for? <laughs> I'll be around, hopefully 80 minutes somewhere around there.
1: oh well, that'd be yeah. I don't. I I think I could do 82.
0: Oh, okay. That's, 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 sort of um, that's great. Um, and your training put you in a pretty good position. It's two weeks away today, isn't it? Yes. It's
1: yep. two weeks. I'm doing the uh, Brisbane Road Runners 10K tomorrow, 10K yep. Champs and Masters Champs, which otherwise I probably would have gone to Sandgate and tried to keep up with the – my problem is I think I'm still young. Even though, and I try and mind is willing but body isn't. So I go out with those young girls and then go, oh, that's right, they're thirty years younger than me. You know, that's well, even of thing. me but, seeing,
0: they're seeing young twenty-year-old <laughs> ladies now. I'm I'm feeling older <laughs> too. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so Gold Coast, and what happened was um, a couple of months, or it's four months ago now. Um, friends of mine own fun fun fit travel in Canberra and they had someone cancel out of the London marathon and they gave me 48 hours to give them an answer. Did I want the spot? And it's so hard to get into. Um, so I just talked about it with my husband and yeah, he said, sure, if you're up for it. So I thought, okay, let's do it. Um, spoke to my coach about it. And, and I, I have a coach to just um So I don't have to think about it. I just want to be accountable to someone um, because it just makes it easier. And I haven't really had that for a long time. So um, that's been good to set a goal to do the half marathon. And then London, the lady that holds the world record for my age group, um, Jenny Hitchings from the US is actually running as well. So I'm hoping that maybe through some contacts from, the olden days, um, I might be able to get a start with that. Um, it's called Abbott's World Masters Championship. So I can't go in that, but I might be able to get in that um, sort of fe- um, starting group. That's that's the hope because yeah, great. then who knows what might happen. I'll
0: just and, try and, and hang on time, for as long as I time. can.
1: Um, well, I'm not going to say um, <laughs> anymore. Because no, no, not to. It's more like I'm at 55, I was going to try and break um, a couple of years ago. um, Well, I'm 56, but around last year, I thought, oh, I might try for the world record for my age group. So the world record is 250 for the marathon.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, That's
1: excellent. um, I'm not saying that's possible, but if you don't give it a go, you'll never know. So um I'll at least you know um do what i can training wise to to give it a go and yeah i'm a bit of all or nothing person so it's um yeah i'll put it out there now so who knows
0: yeah there's some accountability right there a few hundred listeners uh, <laughs> i hope to this one for sure hey let's do these 10 questions hey Meant to be okay. waking the baby up. It's four thirty-seven. I was meant to wake him up at four thirty, and the wife's out. Oops. So let's uh, sorry get through this before I get in trouble.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Podcast versus dad. dad our responsibilities. Um, now, um, this one—the first one I started with—was not necessarily your proudest achievement, but what was the most enjoyable race you can ever think of? Can I have two? Yeah,
1: uh, if-, if you must. <laughs> Uh, it, it was the city to serve. It really was because I was so disappointed after yeah. the Olympics yeah. and coming down to Bondi and just like, yeah, um, I think the time was not the fastest had been run on that course, but it was like, oh my gosh, I'm not, you know, I am fit. I just wasn't well at the Olympic time of the Olympics. But um, to, you know, uh, uh, that way back when and the my last the marathon with karen and jackie like i still get emotional talking about it you know i there's no way i thought i was going to get a medal my goal was to get to the starting line you know healthy well and to come ac- be second to karen and have us first second and third first time in 60 years and i crossed the line and karen was there with her arms open and she just said, I'm so much happier for you than me. I know what you've been through. And it was just like, I can't believe you're saying that. And we'd roomed together. So it just made the whole, that, you know, silver medal. Yeah, it felt like gold. <laughs> so it was just a great experience.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's so hard to pick from between those. But the next question does read, what was your proudest achievement? Would have that been, the 2002 Commonwealth Games over the 92 Olympics?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, I I did that to, to just, yeah, I really was determined to get, make it, you know, happen and, you know, that what if I get to the starting line? Well, uninjured, you never know what can happen. So, yeah, I had lots of help and support from a lot of old friends, but I didn't necessarily have a coach. Uh, my friend and I, Kereth and I talked about what training I had, you know, runners that I'd make, become friends with, um, you know, that helped me, um, you know, with what I should and shouldn't do. But, yeah, that was the proudest moment.
0: Excellent. Hey, I'll remind you um, quite harshly about my word limit to these questions. Oh, yes.
1: And I was a mum as well.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right, um, the next questions probably won't give you much leeway um, in a few words, what did you enjoy most about your running as a professional athlete, but what about now? how would you define your enjoyment then in versus now in a few words?
1: Uh, very similar I've made friends for life huh? from back then and now um, in different stages, different ages I'll, I'll, I'll stop now. <laughs>
0: Um, if you could pick one person, again, this this can be hard too, but only one uh, most influential for you as a runner, whether it be family, friend, um, another runner or coach.
1: Um, gee, that's a hard one. I, w- I will have to say someone who's been a mentor all my life, and that's Pat Cohesie.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Uh, well done. Um, why should people take up running in any capacity?
1: Because you can actually do it and it can make a difference to your life.
0: Great. Uh, Favourite place to run in the world? It doesn't have to be Australia.
1: I, th- I don't think you can go past Stromlo Forest in Canberra. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I thought it might have been on the list, but number one. Um, biggest running rival. We haven't brought up Benita Willis and her connection to you, and that that would be probably another um conversation for another day. Was she at all a <laughs> running rival or was uh she um she's too she... young?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's no, we yeah. we are friends. We are friends and we keep in touch, you know, on yep. social media. But um, yeah, she's amazing but no I was um someone who probably maybe met her as a mentor every now and again yeah um but um my main rival back in the day was a girl um called Jackie Perkins from Melbourne and Donna Gouldson who was um a, a girl from Western Australia so we used to tag team for second and third a lot
0: great um current uh, advice that you'd have right now for a younger Krishna?
1: Just don't take it all too seriously. I I think, you know, and if you've got a niggle, stop, take a week off. Don't kill yourself doing three hours on the exercise bike. Rest, recover, and less is best.
0: Yeah, great advice. We all need that.
1: More is, yeah, more is not necessarily better. And you, if you train hard, absorb it and can be consistent, the results will come.
0: Yeah, great. And um, last question, how, how pleased are you with running uh, as a sport in the country right now, both recreationally and uh, at the elite level?
1: I think it's getting better all the time. I think COVID's been good for running. I think the fun run scene, I did a long run opposite the way of the Brisbane Marathon a couple of weekends ago. And it just, I don't know, the the two hours just went by like that. People smiling, all shapes, sizes, ages. I just think, you know, the endorphins that people can get from running and the mental health um, benefits are just understated
0: <laughs> yeah I totally think. yeah no that's um it's interesting you bring that up I think recreationally yeah as every year goes past um I'm seeing it bigger both from a individual point of view out there with runners and then you know all the groups that yeah. I know out there in Brisbane anyway seem to be getting bigger and bigger and also in the younger ages I think um it's becoming a bit cooler to be uh to be running yes. and, and uh I'm sure you would wish for that 30, 40 years ago.
1: Exactly. Yes. It is a lot cooler. <laughs> it, the, the gear helps these yeah. days. They, they, all, they, all, about, they yeah. all look pretty cool.
0: Yeah, the shoes. <laughs> you can start from the bottom up, you can name it. Yeah. It all look looking pretty smick these days. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was I definitely was what, yeah, a daggy runner in the 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 dirt roads of Leeton, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter with your times that we've listed this afternoon. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, thank you so much for jumping on here. And uh, like I said, First Olympian um, and uh, one of the older guests. I'm not going to make that uh, official if you are the oldest. I'll let the listeners work that out. And and we can only take on the advice both professionally and and from a recreational point of view. So yeah, I'm sure there's going to be lots of listeners dialing into this one and learning a lot from you christian so thank you very much
1: no i just want to thank you i think having something like brisbane is like a big country town and i just think you know when i first listened to you uh the podcast i just thought oh it just seems like you are sitting down having a chat with someone it was just so real and i just think yeah it's a niche market so everyone spread the word i'll be sharing um after yeah, I won't tell them to listen to mine, but I'll I'll share the podcast. Yeah,
0: everyone, everyone, again. come listen to me. <laughs> no, you got to do that because um, normally they they it's funny they often listen to things through through headphones longer than they would in person at times. So I I normally recommend to do it as you're cleaning or on a commute, chuck the headphones in or AirPods, yeah. and um, that's what I do back from work. Normally not myself. <laughs> okay um, well i'll
1: i'll I'll test my son out on it see if he listens to it
0: yeah yeah i do that with the wife hey listen to this let me know what i should be cropping off and i've definitely had a few ideas from her
1: And she would say, and she talked too long. Get her <laughs> no. You the baby. <laughs>
0: no, we no. Well, it's 4:46 now, 16 minutes past. But we could keep going forever. But we'll cut it there and and be in touch. Yeah, yeah I'll probably see you then. Hopefully, if the crowds, uh, the I assume they're going to be huge. But if they're small enough to suffice us to pass each other in the half or out in the course, yeah. it's an out and back. So often you pass runners which yep. can be a good thing or a tough thing to keep saying hi 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i won't be doing that <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> all right thanks prishna have a great night
1: okay thanks very much ollie bye Catch
0: ya. see ya